This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Good morning. It's an honor to be with you this morning. My name is Clayton Small. I'm the student pastor here at the Ark. The title of this morning's message is Thankful for Progress. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Thankful for Progress. If you will, let's pray before we get started. Dear Jesus, please make these people more thankful. Amen. Did it work? Did it work? So, you know, I don't know why. I'm just going to tell it to you like it is, okay? You know, when you go to Thanksgiving, it's the one time a year where after, you know, you've been with family, you stand around and you say, dear Lord, thank you for my family. And when I'm at my family, you know, Thanksgivings and gatherings, they always look because they know I'm a pastor. And so they always look like, don't you have something to say? And I'm like, nope, I pretty much have the same thing you have to say. And that is that you all are all crazy. And so when I stand there and I pray, dear Lord, thank you for my family, I open my eyes and sometimes I wonder, like, are they going to be any less crazy when I open my eyes? You know, um, maybe they'll just leave the house, maybe I'll have my space back, but sometimes it feels like nothing is really changing in that prayer. You know, uh, I'm the young guy, Pastor Allen can never say this, but I am entitled to a few dumb things along the way, so I'll just say it like it is. You know, we love you, but there are a few of you that are crazy. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was standing in the lobby, minding my own business. I was shaking hands, greeting people as they came in, and this complete stranger comes up to me, and he puts his hands on my stomach, and he starts patting my belly, and he goes, your dad bod is coming in nicely, and I looked at him like, is that like supposed to be a congratulations, you're a dad now, or is that like, whoa, look at you, you're gaining weight? Like, I, I, don't, I mean, who gave him permission to do that. But see, sometimes we don't know the full backstory. See, he doesn't know that I have a love-hate relationship with the gym. I hate going to the gym. And the gym loves that I pay my monthly membership fees on time every month. But I have this history. You see, sometimes our history, our past stands in the way of the progress we're trying to make. We pray and we open our eyes and hope things change, but nothing really does. But you see, when I was in college about 10 years ago, I went home and, and I told my mom, mom, I wanna be a good son. Let's have some quality time this week. And so I said, let's, let's spend some time together while I'm home. We, we can do whatever you wanna do, mom. And she says, great, well, I'm working out at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And I looked at her like, what? My first thought was, I don't like the gym. My second thought was, you're working out with your mom. How hard could it be, right? What they don't tell you is this, men and women work out completely differently, okay? Men go into the gym, they start grunting, and they pick up one heavy thing every 30 minutes and call it working out, okay? But not the women. The women go into the gym and they're like, they got boxes, they're stepping up on boxes, they're on the cycle, they're going, they're working out and they don't stop. It's kind of like the way they talk. They just get in the gym and they just, oops, sorry. And so I'm working out with my mom at 6 a.m. on my college break, time off school, and 45 minutes into the workout, I throw up. <laughs> Seven times. And I get up and I go out to the car while my mom finishes doing her sit-ups. And I, I realize something as I'm sitting in the car. I realize that I was trying to do all at once what had taken her years to achieve. You see, in my youthful and prideful zeal, I would love to skip the process of getting up and going to the gym. In my youthful and prideful zeal, I would love to have it all right now. Dear Lord, make it work. In the moment, I would love to skip the process. 
But what we have to realize in time in our life is this, that it's actually what happens in the process that determines the progress we make in our life. And if it's true for working out, how much more for our spiritual lives? What we do in the process all along the way actually determines the end results. You see, we have processes every day, whether we know it or not, we're, we're in the middle of a process. You make the decision to brush your teeth or not to brush your teeth. Right after you make your morning coffee. You see, it's a part of a process, it's a system. You see, a process is a series of choices or decisions that you make that get you to a particular end. You know, if I wanna get in shape, I know that the decisions I need to make is lay off the bluebell, go to the gym, right? I'm making a series of decisions that get me where I want to go, but getting out of shape is actually the exact same thing. You're in the middle of a process. You're making decisions that get you in the opposite direction. When uh, Courtney was pregnant, um, she ate for two and she had permission, but I did not. That must imply why I have the dad bod he saw the other day. And I, uh, you know, I had this moment where I realized, and oftentimes many of you have been in similar situations, you've said a statement like this, I gained 10 pounds overnight. I don't know how that happened. Well, really what we're saying is I didn't actually gain 10 pounds overnight. Like I didn't go to Texas Roadhouse and eat 50 rolls. Well, actually I did. Um, because they're good. But what we're saying really is the fact, what we're, what we're really trying to say is that I didn't realize it happened that quickly. All of a sudden I woke up and it feels like everything was different, but it never happens overnight. You see, it's a series of choices and decisions that we've made along the way that get us where we're going. There's a pastor, his name is Craig Eschel, and he uh, has a great phrase that I use with our students all the time. And he says this, he says, the decisions and the choices that you make today determine the stories that you're gonna tell tomorrow. The choices and decisions you're making right now in the middle of the process that you're in determine the stories that you will share about your life tomorrow. You see, oftentimes though, the goal, the end result is not what we have a problem with. You see, it's easy to dream about the way things could be. The challenge often lies in the middle of the process that we're in is the fact that things aren't the way we wish they were in the here and now. In this moment, I'm wrestling with the fact that I thought I would be here, but really my life is here. In this moment, I'm wrestling with the fact that when I was younger, I thought I'd be farther ahead than I currently am. I thought I would have achieved a few more things. I thought I was seeing a little bit more success. I thought my family wouldn't have been so crazy. And we, and we start to look at our life and we take an evaluation and assessment and we begin to realize that it's very difficult to live in the in-betweens. People ask me all the time, I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers and people, when they hear middle schoolers, they go, and they freak out. I'm like, do you want to come volunteer? And they're like, they just, it's like, it's contaminated over there. They do smell a little bit, but it's not that bad people. Um, and what, what I've realized in time is I realized that the issue is not who they are. The issue is oftentimes what people remember about their middle school years. You see, oftentimes the years of being in middle school are are remembered by most people as the worst years of their life. Let's just be honest. Why? Because it's that awkward in-between phase of life. You're not a kid and you're not an adult. You're living in the in-between. But you see, at the ARC, we don't believe that it's a weird phase. We don't believe that it's an awkward phase. We don't believe that they are different or weird. Or We believe that God has a purpose in the in-between phase. And the decisions and the choices that they make where they are at today will determine the rest of their life. 
the stories that they tell tomorrow. And if that's true for a 12-year-old, how much more true is it for you? That season of being in between. In between is often the hard times. You see, in between is that time when you're not in your job that you wanted to be and you're looking forward. You have an optimistic hope about the job that you might have, but you're in the in-between. That's the tension. It's that time when you sell your house and you're stressed because of all the moving and all the things that are going on in the process. You're in between where you, where you lived and where you're going. You see, that in-between phase can be very, very difficult, but we have to remember this. It's what happens in the process that determines the progress, and if that's true, then here's what we know. We know that God wired every single one of us for progress. It doesn't matter who you are today, what you came in with. It doesn't matter how many times you had to pray for your family not to be crazy at Thanksgiving. God has wired you for progress. It doesn't matter where you're standing at today. It doesn't matter if you're in the in-between phase of life, not yet where you thought you would be, because God designed you from the very beginning of time with progress in mind. In the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1.28, he, he creates Adam and Eve in a perfect garden. He says, go be fruitful and multiply. Go cultivate the land. Go do something. Go make progress. You are wired for success in every area of your life. Sometimes life has its way of throwing things at us that make us believe opposite of that, though. Some things come along, some hardships, some persecutions, some, some setbacks along the way. But if we remember this, God wired you for progress, which means this. You have a 100% chance of success in life. You have a 100% chance of success in your finances, in your health, in your family, in raising your kids, in growing stronger in the Lord. 100% chance of success every time when you do your life God's way. You see, the Bible is full of ways that you can live your life. Blessings and curses, obedience or disobedience, a lot of different ways that are all speaking to where every single one of us are today, and that is the in-between. Not yet arrived in heaven, but yet living it out in the day-to-day -day right here and right now. There's a guy in the Bible, his name is Paul. He wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books, 13 letters that he wrote to people like you and me. And I believe that Paul had a firm grasp on how to live in that awkward stage, that stage of the in-between process. And the Bible says they call it the thorn in Paul's flesh. Now, scholars don't really know what that means. Um, in term, they have a lot of speculation about what Paul could have been referring to. That's above my pay grade. I'm not interested. What I'm interested in is the fact that Paul had to figure out how to make it through in the middle of his process. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we read this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away this thorn in my flesh. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, check this out, I delight in my weaknesses. In my insults, I delight. In my hardships, I delight. In my persecutions, I delight. And in difficulty, I delight. Why? Because when I am weak, then I am actually strong. Here's a guy who was living in the middle of the process and he figured out how to believe that God still had his back. He figured out that the process wasn't his enemy. The process was actually working towards his advantage. And so much so that he could say this, I delight in the stuff that I'm going through. I delight, I am thankful for the process that I'm in because I know that God is making me stronger today than I was yesterday. I can delight in the process. I can be thankful in the process when I know that I'm gonna be better tomorrow than I am today because God 
has my back. You see, oftentimes in the middle of the process, we get discouraged. We lack perseverance because we think this is all. This is it. You see, Paul refused to let where he was at become an enemy of his progress. There are three things that I think are oftentimes enemies of our progress, at least for me. The first one is this. It's the all or nothing approach to life. The first enemy to our progress is this all or nothing approach to life. If I can't go to the gym and work out for 30 minutes and have a six pack, I'm out. I've been out for the last 30 years. All or nothing never works. Um, I'm reminded, man, this is embarrassing. I'm reminded every time I walk off the stage and look at the screen that I'm 30 years old and suffering with male pattern baldness. So last year when an infomercial came up, one of those ads, I'm a sucker for those. I spend way too much money off dumb products that don't work that said you can have hair that looks like George Clooney, right? You see these guys with big thick hair. So I bought it. I paid way too much money. I bought it. And for two weeks, I did the shampoo. I did the conditioner. I did the drops. I took the pills. And every morning, you know what I'm doing? Looking in the mirror, combing my hair. I'm rocking the comb over for the next few years, all right? At least till it's gone. I'm looking and I'm waiting to see progress, but I don't see anything. So you know what I did? I took that big bundle of stuff that I bought and I threw it right in the trash because it was clearly not working. You see, sometimes in life we do the same thing. We see some ad, we see some next best thing in life. We see what our neighbors are doing. We see what the people at our work are doing and we think, oh, I'm gonna try that. And we give it an all or nothing approach until it doesn't work and we throw in the towel. And the Lord says, don't go there. An all or nothing approach actually does this. It causes us to lose appreciation for the process. It causes us to lose appreciation for where we are right now because we're so fixated on what's coming up next. An enemy to the process is an all or nothing approach. Another enemy that I've found in my life is distractions. Research shows that it takes the average person 23 minutes to regain focus at work from a project over a minor distraction. In other words, an email pops up. It's now going to take you 23 minutes to get back, on average, to your project. If you uh, are a social media lover, how much more for that? When you find yourself in an endless, bottomless pit of scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, 23 minutes is the bare minimum, people. And distractions, what they do along the way is they actually keep us from making progress the way we want. If that takes 23 minutes over a daily, small, everyday task... How much more in our life would a distraction cause us to lose purpose, cause us to lose focus for what God has in store for us? A relationship we knew we were supposed to pursue and we pursued it distracts us. And oftentimes what causes um, bad habits in our life is, is we get distracted. And in the distraction and in those times when we're not focused, we begin to create um, bad habits in our life that further perpetuate the cycle of going in the direction we never wanted to go. Maybe it's distractions for you. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a lack of confidence. A third enemy to making progress is just sheer confidence. Our confidence le levels have, have dwindled. You know, they say, research says, that what a person believes about themselves actually really matters, which is nothing new because the Bible in Proverbs 23, 7 has said for a long time that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. In other words, the things we begin to believe over our life about who we are and what we were made for and where we're going and our future and our purpose, it matters. People who believe they can, uh, studies have shown that they actually do better, that they make greater progress on their journey. 
people who believe they can't actually struggle with that. There is a, a passage of scripture I want to share with you this morning. The people of Israel, they faced some of these enemies in their own life. You see, they were supposed to go into the promised land over 40 years ago. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, waiting to get into the promise, waiting on the progress of God in their life. They had been delivered from Egypt out of slavery by a man named Moses. And Moses stands before them, and in some of Moses' final words, he's giving them encouragement. He's giving them a little pep talk along the way that tells them that they can do it. We read the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's a long one, so don't be thinking about that pecan pie sitting at home, okay? Hang with me. Deuteronomy 7.1, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Parasites, just kidding, Hivites and Jebusites, seven nations all larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, you must destroy them completely. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Don't intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following God to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly be destroyed. This is what you are to do to them. Break down the altars, smash the sacred religious stones that they have, cut down the Asherah poles and burn the idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were actually the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and he kept his oath that he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out of, by his mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God and he is faithful, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments." He's looking at a people who are waiting on progress. They're dealing with the process. They're in the in-between. And here's the words of encouragement he has for them. There are seven nations in the land all stronger and bigger than you are. Guess what? When you get to the land you've been waiting to go to, there's still more work to be done. There is no final end result. You've arrived. There's nothing left to do. He's telling them you're in the process and God has you in a process because there's some things that he wants to do inside of you. So that when you get to the land, you can hold on to everything God has given you. There's nothing worse than God giving you a gift that you can't hold on to. And so he says, I have some things that I need you to do. We continue the story in verse 13. It says, he will love you and he will bless you. And he will, in fact, increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine and olive oil. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks and the land, they will be blessed. You will be blessed more than any other people. Verse 17, he says, you may say to yourselves that sometimes these nations are stronger than we are. How are we ever going to be able to drive them out? But God says, do not be afraid of them. Verse 22, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. And little by little, you will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you. As we read this story, I think there are some things that some keys to our progress, some steps we can take to make progress in our lives. And the first one that Moses did very well was this. He believed that victory was already theirs. You see, Moses had this faith-filled response to a challenge. They're looking at a land with seven nations larger and bigger than them. You see, they didn't have all their processes and systems worked out. They didn't have an army. They hadn't been at this long. They didn't have a king like the other nations. 
and they're looking at it, and Moses says this, it's not if God will drive them out, it's when God will drive them out. You see, in the process, we have to remember that we already have victory. God has already done it. Why? Not because we're strong. He looks at them and he says, y'all are looking kind of weak. Kind of like the guy in the lobby rubbing my belly saying, you got some problems here. Here's the thing. Moses is looking at them and saying, I know we don't have this all together. But if you stay in the process, I promise you, God will be faithful. God is always faithful. And here's what he says to them. God is not going to bless you because you are so good. He's going to bless you for one reason. Because he loves you and he's faithful. Because he loves you and he's faithful. So if you're in the middle of a process today wondering if you're ever going to get to the other side, you have to remember this. The Lord loves you and the Lord is faithful. Therefore, the process will pay off. Believe that victory is yours. The second thing we have to do is submit to God's process. We have to submit to God's process. When I, um, when I was a 12 years old, my dad and I got in a little bit of an argument in the car on a road trip. Never happened to you before, I know, but hey, it happens. And the argument ensued over how you play a guitar. You see, neither one of us played the guitar, but my dad believed you play the guitar like this. I believe you play the guitar like this. We're rocking along in our little car band. I'm doing it wrong. He says, you're, you're doing it wrong. I said, no, 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 it's this way. So we get in this little you know, argument and I get um, prideful, arrogant, 12. And um, I told my dad, I bet you $50 I'm right. Now, this is way back in the day, you know, before YouTube, um, way back. And so we couldn't just like look it up on our smartphones or anything. We had to actually wait, you know, till it came on the TV. I'm preaching to the choir here. Oh, I didn't call you old. I'm, I just, and so I remember my dad, I lost the bet because you hold a guitar like this. And the first thing my dad said was, where's my $50? And I'm like laughing, like, dad, you're, we were just joking, right? You know, we were joking, right? Dad, of course we were joking. He goes, no, where's my $50? And I said, but I don't have $50. He goes, well, then you better go earn $50. And my dad at 12 years old made me go earn $50 so I could pay him what he earned. I remember that. And I asked my dad several years later, why in the world would you do that? You bought my, you know, dinner out, like you paid for my groceries. I didn't have to, but you're going to make me pay you $50 over nothing? He goes, because there was something I needed you to learn. And in the middle of my process at 12 years old, guess who never bet a single penny after that for the rest of his life? <laughs> because we have some things we have to learn in the process. Moses looks at the Israelites and he says, when you get to the land, there's going to be some pretty ladies over there and you better stay away, right? It's nothing but trouble. Hey, when you get to the land, there are going to be some people and they're following after other gods and they have these religious symbols and idols and you better get in there and you better destroy them because if you don't, it will destroy you. You see, God is not a God full of a book of rules. We don't open the Bible and God's not just trying to control your life and give you a bunch of things to do and a list to do. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and if you don't do your life God's way, you ultimately end up destroying yourself. So we have to be okay with submitting to the process there's a verse I want to share it with you. It says, for, um, this next one, guys. I'll read it. James 1.25 says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James chapter 1, he's telling us God is going to ask you to do some things, and he doesn't want you to just hear it. He wants you to do it. 
When we submit to the process of God, we're taking his word, we're standing on it saying, I will apply it in my in-between season and phase of life, trusting and knowing that God is faithful and good to get me where I'm going. A farmer takes seed and he puts the seed in the ground. He doesn't wake up the next day, look at his field and get mad that he doesn't see the, the produce of, his, of his, uh, the crop of, of his, what he planted. He doesn't get mad when he has to go out and pull out some weeds. He doesn't get mad when he has to go out and pay the water bill for watering his fields. He doesn't get mad when he has to harvest his crop in the middle of summer in the heat and work hard doing it. Why? Because it's a part of the process. And the Lord says the same thing for us in our lives. You're in the middle of the process if you do, not just here, but you do what God is asking you to do then guess what? You get to reap the harvest. You get to see the rewards at the end of the day. The final thing is this. This is the hard one. We have to stay in the game. I used to think I gave my life to Jesus. Everything's gonna change when I open my eyes. I prayed at Thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for my family. I opened my eyes and I don't see the change. And God is saying, because there are some things in your life that need to change. And if you be faithful to sticking with the process, you will begin to see progress in your life in ways you never, ever expected it. Uh, we have a four-month-year-old baby. Uh, when I was single, I thought I was a patient man, and then I got married. When I was a married man, I thought I was a patient man, and then I had a baby. A couple of months ago, in the middle of the night, uh, I, Courtney asked me if I had changed the baby's diaper. I sleep hard. I was half asleep. I reached over to her lap, and I grabbed her cell phone, reached over and I grabbed the wipes and I laid the cell phone down on the bed and I took the wipes out and I started wiping the phone. (laughs) Took the phone and put it in the diaper, folded the diaper up, took the phone in the diaper and handed it to my wife and went back to bed like a good husband. (laughs) You see, in the middle of the rote processes of our life, it's easy to get distracted In the middle of the process, it's easy to get discouraged along the way. But you know what? Diapers being changed is not a fun thing. You know what is fun? Going into your little daughter's room in the middle of the night, waking her up, she smiles at you. It's 3 a.m. Who smiles at 3 a.m.? You know what is fun? Seeing the life that's being cultivated. You know what is fun? Seeing the progress one day of where your kids or where your family, where you have come from in your own life. You see, when we're willing to submit to the process and stay in the game, we realize that some things are simply worth it. Changing diapers doesn't feel like it's worth it, but a beautiful little life, that's worth it. God says the same thing about you. There's some processes you're in today. The Lord says, if you'll hang in there, I promise you it'll be worth it. Exodus chapter 23, here's what it says. God says, I'm not gonna drive them out in one year. He says, I'm not gonna take the enemies out of the land in one year. This isn't Amazon, this isn't a microwave. This isn't a get rich quick scheme. He says, I'm not gonna do this all at once. He says, little by little, I will drive the enemies out of the land until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. There are some things we have to persevere in. There are some things we have to be patient in because God is working little by little by little for your good. So here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. If you're standing in your process and you're looking in the land like the Israelites were, there were enemies in their land. They could have thought, man, there's enemies. They're all stronger than 
than us, they're in our way. But think about this. The enemies were in the land, cultivating the land so that the animals wouldn't overtake it. The enemies were in the land, keeping it good. And while you are in the middle of your process, God is using your enemies to work on your behalf. As it says in Romans 8:28, working all things together for the good of those who love him, if they will just persevere. Hebrews chapter 10 says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I wanna tell you a quick story as we close. There's a junior in high school uh, here at Arc Youth. And uh, when she was a little girl, you know how words have their way of marking our lives? Things people say, we begin to believe about ourselves. When she was a little girl, uh, one of her teachers in passing in front of the class said, you're not smart, get with it. You're never gonna be smart. She began to believe this as a, a little girl. She struggled with grades for several years. Her parents are faithful followers of Jesus and they received a verse from the Lord. They were reading one day and Psalm 119, 99 stuck out. It says, I will make you more wise than all your teachers and all your instructors. They began to speak that over their daughter's life and they began to pray it for third grade, for fourth grade, for fifth grade. And guess what? Things weren't changing. You know what changed? Their belief. She's a junior in high school. And as a junior in high school, the last two report cards, she's come home on the honor roll. And one day, her counselor called her in the office and said, what changed? This was like a little by little process. It didn't happen overnight, but overnight, over many years, something began to change. And the counselor looked at this junior in high school and said, what's different? And this girl said this. She said, I finally believe what God has been saying about me my whole life. Here's the thing. If we are faithfully submitted to the process and we persevere and we keep believing, God works on our behalf. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I believe that God has something in store for you. And if you're in the in-between phase of life this morning, I want you to know this. If you've never given your life to Jesus or if you've been distracted or you've lacked confidence or you've had an all or nothing approach to God, this morning that can all change. And little by little, God can begin to do a big work in your life. If you've never said yes to Jesus or you wanna come back to him for the first time this morning or you wanna come back, I just want you to slip your hands up. Nobody's looking around. We wanna pray for you right here in this moment. Thank you, I see you. Thank you. We want to pray for you. That's you. Thank you. I see you in the back. We're going to pray this prayer together. Dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And that God raised you from the dead. So right now, I confess you as my Lord as my savior, as the one who forgives me and the one who restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. If you'll keep your heads bowed, I wanna pray for you. God, I pray for every person in the room this morning who came in in the middle of their process. And I ask that this morning they would hold on that those who feel like giving up, those who feel like throwing in the towel, that they would hold on, trusting and knowing that you are good and you have good plans for their life. We love you and we are thankful for our process this morning, 
knowing at the end of the day, we're with you. At the end of the day, we get to spend eternity with you. And for that, we are forever grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.